Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, hey, good morning. We're excited you're here today. As we are, we're jumping into a brand new series entitled My Big Fat Mouth, where we're going to look at really how sometimes our mouth can get us into a little bit of trouble. Now, how many have ever had, can kind of kind of relate to that? How many have ever had your mouth get you into a little bit of trouble before, right? Okay. All of us have, right? I've done it over and over again. In fact, I do it almost every single day. In fact, it's a little bit crazy the fact that you guys let me even speak up here each week. It's scary. You're thinking like some Sundays I do, I'm under, I'm like, man, I just hope I don't say something stupid today, right? And then usually most Sundays I fail. But anyways, our mouths can get us in a little bit of trouble. In fact, I've said some dumb things over and over again. I've said some things that I instantly regret. I've said some things that I wish I could take back, like right when they come out of my mouth. And the truth is we say things that are harmful. In fact, I do this a lot with my family. I do this a lot with my kids. In fact, it's almost an everyday occurrence. And, and just a, a couple weeks ago, last week, actually Good Friday, I did this with my son, Griffin. Now, if you know anything about me, uh, I'm a little what you call cheap. Like, I do not like to spend money. That can almost hurts, like painfully, physically, it hurts to spend money. That's how I, that's how I am. So I don't pay for haircuts. So I've actually cut my own hair since I got high school and college. I cut a lot of the half the dorm room's floor. I cut their hair. And then I continued on and I cut my son's hair. Some of you guys are looking right now and going, wow, that explains a lot. Like we, we totally get it. I always wondered why that, right? That's why I actually did get myself a fresh haircut because I know how bad it can look sometimes, right? But on Good Friday, it was the Friday before Easter, obviously, we were setting it up and I'm saying, Griffin, you've got to get a haircut this week, right? You've got to get a haircut for Easter. We're going to cut your hair. So Good Friday, I always take Fridays off anyways. That's my day off. And Good Friday, the kids were off school. My wife was actually off work that day. So it was the perfect day. So we let Griffin know really almost the, the whole upcoming week, like that Sunday on, like Griffin, haircut day is Friday. Haircut day is Friday. So it comes to Friday, wakes up, and like, okay. Now it's time to cut your hair. Instantly tries to fight it. Again, I cut his hair. It's not as great as an experience as it would be to go to a barber. So I might pull his head a couple times. I might be a little bit rougher than, than you really need to be sometimes, right? So he's like, no, I don't want to. And then he instantly went to whining and he instantly went to crying about it. And that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. So I lost it, right? I start yelling at him like, come on, Griffin, get in there, you big baby. And then tears. Tears automatically. My, my daughter, she's the big sister. So she's sticking up for him. She's yelling. I'm like, Dad, why'd you call him a name? Sarah's in the other room thinking like, what is going on? Like, I should have just gone to work today, right? All because of my big fat mouth, right? The truth is our mouths, they get us into trouble. People can take the things we say the wrong way, really, because we can say things the wrong way. That's what it is. And, and so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how what we say can, can be taken the wrong way and how what we can say can be said the wrong way. We're going to talk about how our mouths can get us into trouble. Our mouths can get us in trouble through complaining, through gossiping, through lying, and through criticizing. And what's really cool about this series is there's actually a Bible reading plan that goes along right there with this. So if you have the Bible app, I would challenge you to, to go and, and read along this Bible plan with us. And if you don't have a Bible app, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. You can put it right on your phone. That way you can read your Bible every single day. It's just an incredible resource. 
and the graphic is the same. So just type in there, reading plants, my big fat mouth, and it'll take you to it. And you can actually be reading a lot and you can read every day, jump in and do a Bible plan as well. But today what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and we're going to talk specifically about complaining, right? So how many of you have ever found yourself complaining before, right? right if you didn't raise your hand, we are going to be talking about lying in three weeks, just so you know. But the truth is we've all complained at one time or another. In fact, for some of us, complaining is, is probably a big struggle. Right? How many of you have been around a constant complainer? You could say maybe you are a constant complainer. But here's the thing. When you're around a constant complainer, sometimes it's not that much fun. Right? How many of you have ever gone out to eat with a constant complainer? This is where it gets really good. Like This is where it, this is a, it's a blast. right? Because no matter what, you know that their food is coming out wrong. Like it's a guarantee. And it's not going to go unnoticed, right? It's going to be talked about. So when you're out to eat with a constant complainer, like it's kind of scary. Like your whole goal is not to be guilty by association. Like you know their food's getting spit on. So you're in their corner, like being as quiet as you can, just hoping like, oh man, I hope they don't spit on my food too, right? This could be bad. The truth is though, it's not that much fun to be around a constant complainer, right? There's these negative thoughts. But the truth is many of us, we complain about a lot of things. If we're honest with ourselves, if we're married, we probably complain about our spouses before, right? We complain, oh, we may have even said, oh, they're not doing enough around the house. Oh, they spend all our money. Or those are just the things I say, right? No, we just, my wife left already. She's good. So, oh, this is life. <laughs> right? We say these things. If we're not married, maybe we complain that we don't have a spouse to complain about, right? At work, we probably caught ourselves complaining. Chances are you probably complain about your boss. You may have complained about your coworkers. You may have complained about the work that you're doing as well. Right? Your house, you probably complained about some things at your house. Things break down. It's weird, but rent or your mortgage is almost due every single month. I don't know why you expect it, but we probably complain about it. Which means that we complain about our finances. If there's times we complain that there's not enough money. Never seen anybody complain that there's too much money, but a lot of times we complain that there's just not enough. And the truth is we complain about entertainment even as well. Right? There's nothing on TV. The Wi-Fi is too slow. Right? We complain about these things. And social media. Right? Don't even get started with social media. People complain always about social media. People complain on social media. And then people complain on social media about social media. Right? It's crazy. And believe it or not, I know this is going to be a shocker for many of you, but sometimes people even complain about church. I know. Calm down. In fact, you may have even already complained today like the music was too loud. The music was too soft. They didn't play my song. Like, why is Corbin speaking again? Can't they get a guest speaker? Like, it's the Sunday after Easter. Like, take a hint, dude. Take a break, right? You could be complaining about all these things. But the truth is this. Complaining gets us into trouble. Right? Complaining gets us in trouble all the time. And oftentimes, it leads us to saying some things that we regret. Right? It ruins our attitude. And because no one really likes to be around a complainer. And here's what it does. It keeps us from experiencing some good things. And here's what complaining is. Here's what a complaint is. A complaint is where we take our eyes off the goodness of God. That's really what it boils down to. That's where we take our eyes off the goodness of God. Because complaints, they're really rooted in discontentment. Right? They really stem from, from a lack of focus on, on who is providing for us. It takes us from a lack of focus from our provider as well. And if you look at it, complaints, sometimes they're even stemmed and fear. It's a trap that many of us, we fall into that leads us down the wrong direction. And complaints, they've really been around forever. 
Right? They've been a tactic and a scheme that the devil's used over and over again throughout history. You see it all the way back to Adam and Eve. Right? You see it all the way back there, and he continues to use it even today. Right? We've seen this where he gives us a lie. He gives us something that we complain about, some fear that we complain about, and it takes us down a path that we never intended to go. In fact, you even see this in the Old Testament with the Israelites as well, which we're going to study today in Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to start with uh, verses 11 and 12. And in this passage of Scripture, you see here that God had just freed the Israelites from slavery. He just freed them from the slavery of the Egyptians. Again, the Israelites, they had been enslaved for, for four centuries. So over 400 years, the, Egyptians, the, uh, the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. And then God sent Moses, did some amazing signs and wonders through Moses, and then finally led the Israelites out of Egypt right, as a mass exodus if you will. Hence, the book name Exodus, right? So here they are, and here's what we're going to pick up today is where the Israelites are freeing, where they're fleeing from the Egyptians here in verse 14. And then the Israelites actually begin to lose a little bit of their focus, and they begin to fear, so they start complaining. It says this. In verse 11, it says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would, have been, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So if you look at this passage of scripture, again, listen, the Israelites, they did. They had a good reason to fear. The, Israel, the Egyptians, they were following them. Like they were coming after them. But the truth is, this was nothing in comparison to the previous life. Right? Pre- previous to this, they've been enslaved for 400 years. Previous to this, their life was not their own. In fact, the Egyptians were trying to really contain the population and they began killing some of the Israelites' babies. This is where they were and this is what they were fleeing from, but really their focus got off. Their focus got off the fact that God was freeing them from all of that and they got to the fear of what could happen. What's amazing though is God was leading them this whole way. God led them out of Egypt with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but they forgot about this. Their focus was taken off. In fact, if you look at verse 10, it shows where this happened. Verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Here's the Israelites. God had provided for them a way out with a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. Like God was in them, and they were focusing on God. But when the Egyptians came behind them, the Israelites focused, and their focus turned around, and they saw behind them, and they began to fear. And out of that fear, came complaints. Out of that fear came crying, right? Out of that fear came this whining about the risk instead of seeing the blessing. The truth is, I think we do the same thing. I think a lot of times we overlook all that God's provided. And we could go back and we could look right now and we could see where God showed up each and every moment in our life. We can track it. And the truth is, He's still doing that for us each and every moment. He's still with us every single moment. But what happens is, is sometimes our focus gets off, just like the Israelites focused on. Right? For some of us, instead of seeing the blessing, we're focused in on the struggle. Right? Instead of seeing the miracle, we get lost in the obstacle. Right? Instead, of, instead of us anticipating the testimony, we really, we really get lost in the test, and we end up complaining. We end up being negative. The truth is, this is a bad place to be. Again, complaining, it's an ugly way of life. The truth is, it messes with our perception of reality. 
And then it leads to this discontent. It leads to more complaining. It's really a rabbit hole into negative thinking. It's a rabbit hole into negative attitudes. It's a rabbit hole into these negative thoughts that can consume us. But the truth is, it's actually easy to complain. Right? It's easier to complain. That's why we do it. It's easier to be negative. That's why we do it. If you look at it scientifically, it takes less energy to be negative than it does positive. But easier is not always that. Understand, easier is not always that. And here's the real thing about, about negative. Here's the, here's the real truth about complaining. When we're complaining about our jobs, when we're complaining about our families, when we're complaining about our finances, when we're complaining about whatever it is, we're not necessarily complaining about this or that. We're not necessarily complaining about that certain item. What we're doing is we're really complaining against God. We're putting ourselves on the opposite side of it. We're allowing our big fat mouth to get us into trouble, to put us in a position that we most likely didn't set out for, but a position that we'll find ourselves in, where we'll miss out on his gift. And this is what the Israelites did. You see this, and we need to learn. In fact, just a couple chapters later in Exodus chapter 16, if you look at it in verse 8, it says when we complain, what we're really doing is we're complaining against the Lord. Check this out. It says, Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Here's Moses and he's talking to the Israelites and the Israelites have been complaining. The Israelites thought they were just complaining to Moses. They thought they were just complaining to Aaron, who were their leaders. But Moses says, who are we? Right? Who are we? They're nobody in this place. All this happened because God heard the grumbling. God heard the complaining because the complaining was against him. This is some powerful stuff. The word grumble is some powerful verbiage. And it puts us on the opposite side. It really, it really results in the self-deception that stems from complaining. And it breeds more discontent. It breeds more, more grumbling. It breeds more complaining. And it's a dangerous place to be. In fact, if you look at the Bible, Numbers chapter 11, we won't read that, but it's the same, it's the same story, just a different depiction. It goes into this a little bit more. In fact, it even calls the, the grumblers, it calls the complainers, it calls them the rabble, which is this. It's a mob. It's a disorderly crowd. Those that grumble, those that complain are the, are the rabble, right? They're this disorderly crowd. And at the end of Numbers, you go through it, and it shows that, that God sent a plague to these people. Right? God sent a plague to these people because what they were doing is they were exhausting everybody else, and they were leading them down the wrong direction. That's what complaining does. That's what grumbling does. And in Numbers chapter 11, you see again, it says that they were never satisfied. What's amazing is through this, God had led the Israelites out of slavery. He had led them into the desert and he provided for them. Right? You get to a desert, there's not much food, but every morning God provided man. Every evening God provided meat, he provided quail. Right? God was there providing for them, but the complainers, the grumblers were never satisfied. And it wasn't because God wasn't providing. It was because complaining continues to lead to more complaining, to more grumbling. And it never leads to satisfaction. It never leads to fulfillment. But instead, it's just the opposite. It takes our focus off. Right? A complaint is where we take our eyes off the goodness of God. And this is why we see Paul later in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 14 through 15 says this. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Listen, when we do everything without grumbling, when we do everything without complaining, when we do everything without arguing, we remain in the goodness of God. We become blameless. We become pure. We walk in our true identity as children. Listen, understand this, because of the work of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, because the fact that the tomb is empty, God sees us as pure. God sees us as blameless. God sees us as a child of God. But I think many times we walk in regret. We walk in shame. We never walk in our true identity because our focus is off. Because we get caught up in complaining. We get caught up in grumbling. We get caught up in arguing. But listen, when we do everything without complaining, without arguing, we truly walk in our I did. We walk in our, regardless of the circumstances around us, right? Regardless of how bad it is, regardless of how warped and crooked this generation is, we can still feel blessed and still walk in that blessing if we do everything without grumbling and complaining, without arguing. So here's how we do it. To overcome complaining, to overcome our big fat mouth means that for some of us, what we need to do is we need to change our circumstances. Number one, change your circumstances. Truth is, there's some things in our life that we can change. And if you can change them, change them, right? To conquer our mouth, to conquer our negative words, to conquer our attitudes, to conquer our, our grumbling, we need to change some situations that we're going through. We need to change some circumstances that we're going through, right? Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. There's some things in our life that God allows us to control. They're called responsibilities. And for some of us that grumble too much, for some of us that get caught up in this trap of complaining, it's not necessarily because of what others are doing. It's because we haven't stepped up and taken responsibility for our life. And we failed at the responsibilities that God has for us. We failed at taking control of the situation. So I want to challenge you today. Step up. If there's a circumstance you can change, don't complain about it. Change it. Right? If there's a situation you can change, don't complain about it. Change it. Right? If there's something in your life that you have authority over that you can change, change it. And listen, I say the word authority because there are some things that we don't have authority in our lives. And we got to be careful. We can't step over those authorities. We can't stop across those bounds. They'll get us into more trouble. Like that's a whole other sermon. But there's some things in our lives that we have authority over. There's some things we can change, so change. That's what I want to challenge you. If there's something in your life that you can change, change it. For us, if we are a parent, maybe you're a parent today, maybe there are some things that you need to change in your parents. Right? Maybe your kids are your number one source of complaints. I know that sounds bad, but listen, I'm a parent and sometimes it happens, right? Let's just be real. The truth is there's some things that we can change in our parents. There's some responsibilities that we need to step up in. There's some things that we need to take control over in our lives and we need to parent. And I'm going to give you just a freebie on some parenting real fast. There's uh, four stages of parenting. This is according to Andy Stanley. Some amazing things. And the truth is we probably need to step up in some of these areas if we're parenting and for parents to, to make our lives a little bit better and to make our kids' life a little better. So phase one is this. It's the ages one through five. This is the disciplining phase, right? If your kid's in this phase, this is where we need to discipline. This is where we need to teach right and wrong. It's established here. And for some of us as parents, man, we're complaining because our kids are out of control. We just need to step up. Right? We need to take responsibility. The second phase is the ages five through 12. This is the training phase. This is really where you're showing them how to do things, right? You're teaching them. You're actually involved in letting them do these things. So ages 5 through 12 is the, is the training phase. 
And for some of us, that's where we need to step up and take responsibility in this phase of life. The third stage is the, um, the coaching stages, ages 12 through 18, really 12 through 22. And this is really the, the stage where we let them make a couple mistakes. We're good with some skin knees, right? We're good with a couple bruises here and there. We're watching from the sidelines. We're cheering them on. We're bringing them back in. We're teaching them through, hey, why didn't that go so right? Like, what happened here? When they do something great, we celebrate them, right? That's the coaching phase. For some of us, and we need to quit complaining about our kids, and we need to step up, and we need to parent them in the phase they're in. And then the next phase is uh, 18 or 22 on, and that's the friendship phase. Listen, for some of us as parents, we're complaining about our kids because we might have some of these phases mixed up. We may be trying to be a friend with our kids and with our, with our children when, when they don't need a friend, when they need trained, when they need discipline, right? when they need coach. And for some of us, maybe it's the other way. Maybe, maybe our kids are grown and we're still trying to tra- train and discipline them. And we're just causing this tension between it. Instead of complaining about it, step up, take responsibility for it. Right? If you can change the situation, change it. If you can change the circumstance, change it. The same is true for our finances. Listen, if you find yourself complaining about your finances, if you find yourself complaining about the issues and the money that you're going through, you're thinking like, oh, it's just never enough, right? Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to change, right? It may be the dreaded B word, right? The budget. You may need to start a budget. More importantly, you may need to stick to a budget. Change the situation. Change the circumstance if you can. And maybe for you, maybe instead of, maybe for you is to, is to be obedient. Like give first instead of waiting until everything's gone and there's nothing left. Maybe for you it's to give first. Be faithful and obedient with what God's telling you to do. Change the situation. Maybe for you it's your workplace. Maybe you're grumbling in your workplace. Maybe you've been complaining about it. Listen, maybe you need to change it. Because I'll tell you to be wise. Don't just quit without having something lined up. But maybe for you, maybe a step is to, is to put something together. Work on your resume. Maybe you got to go back to school to learn something else, right? Maybe it's to start interviewing. Maybe it's to even change your attitude in there too, right? But the truth is, if you're grumbling, you're not doing any good for your workplace. You're not doing any good for your employer. You're not doing any good for your coworkers. You're not doing any good for yourself. So change it. If you can change it, change it. We complain about our physical, our fitness, where we're at, and our health. Listen, let me ask you, what are you doing to change it? Like the truth is, it might be time to wake up earlier and go to the gym. It might be time to, to change up your routine. It might be time to, to, to track what you eat. It might be even time to call a doctor and talk to them about some things that you're going through. You can change it, change it. And the same is true for our spiritual growth. And there's some things that we have responsibility for. There's some things that we need to take responsibility for in our spiritual growth. And if you need to change the situation, change it. I'm not saying leave church, right? I'm not changing, saying leave life, change church. We want you here. But the, things, the truth is there's some things that we need to take responsibility for, right? Maybe we need to read our Bible more consistent. And maybe we need to pray more consistently. And maybe we need to do life with others. Again, that's why we push life groups. Maybe it's time to, to jump in, take responsibility, and join a life group. Maybe it's time to, to come to prayer on a Sunday night. We have prayer tonight from 6 to 7. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you, to journey with you. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to spend some time just singing some songs, and then we're going to pray for each other. Right? Maybe tonight you come and you jump in. Maybe, maybe you serve. Maybe you try to look more like him by serving. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to get outside yourself. Push yourself. And instead of complaining, change your situation. Take responsibility for what you can change. And then the truth is, there's some things that we can't change. So number two is this. Change your perspective. There's some things in our life that we can't change. There's some things that we don't have authority to change. So instead, what we need to do is we need to change ourselves. We need to change our perspective. We need to change 
our attitude. We need to change the way we look at these things. And there's some things that are outside our control. And the truth is we can't always control our health. There's some days where we're going to be sick. There's some sicknesses that are going to creep up on us that we could do nothing about. But we can change our attitude about it. We can't always control our relationships. How people respond isn't always up to us. But we can change how we react. We can change how we think about it. So think about it. What do you need to do in those situations that you can't change? What are some ways that you can change? If you look at it, Paul was a great example. He was a great example of changing his perspective through everything that he went. In fact, if you look at it, Paul, again, he wrote most of the New Testament. And it, when he was writing, though, it came at a cost. Because the fact is, he wrote most of the New Testament from a prison cell. He wrote most of the New Testament being persecuted for furthering the gospel. In fact, his letter to the Philippians, he wrote from a prison cell. And it continues on in uh, Philippians chapter 2, 17 to 18. It says this. It says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And these are some powerful words, but if you think about them, they're more powerful when you realize that he's writing this from a prison cell. He's writing this from being in jail. He's writing this from really being on death row, facing execution, facing death. Paul's writing this when he's in a situation that he has no control over. And instead of being angry about it, instead of complaining about it, he changes that. He changed his attitude. He changed his perspective. Therefore, he controlled his reaction. That's what we're called to do. When you look at it, Paul was chained to the Roman guard. Right? He was in prison. The truth is, many of us, we feel like we're chained to something. We feel like we're chained to, to some negative thing that we can't change. Right? We feel like we're in prison. To it. But let me ask you. In that thing that you feel trapped in, how can you change you in the midst of it? How can you change your perspective? How can you rejoice through it all? And again, the answer lies within our faith. See, what happens is when we remove ourselves from the center of our story and place Jesus there, when we remove ourselves from the center of our story and place the gospel there, the fact that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, was risen again for us. When we put that at the center of our story, every single thing changes. Our perspective, our attitude, everything changes. And this is exactly what Paul did. And when he started off his letter in Philippians, Paul wrote this in Philippians 1, 12 through 13. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. It's all about the gospel. It's all about the good news of Jesus and it changes perspective. Again, last week we celebrated Easter, but understand this, the tomb isn't empty just one Sunday a year. It's every single Sunday, it's every single day, it's every single moment, and it has to be the center of our life. When we realize that, when we understand that, it changes everything. Because the gospel leads to us not just seeing the problem, but seeing the possibility. If Jesus, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can raise you from your situation. He can raise you from from that thing that you're grumbling about. He can raise you up from that thing that you're complaining about. He can change your perspective and he can turn that obstacle into an opportunity and an opportunity to praise him. Out. So I want to challenge you. Change 
your perspective. It will overcome God. It will overcome complaints. It will help you conquer your big, bad And a complaint is where we take our eyes off the goodness of God. And today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to keep your eyes on the goodness of God. Keep your eyes on the gospel. Keep your eyes on what Jesus does for you each and every day. And I want to challenge you. If you could change your circumstance, change it. If you can't change your circumstance, though, change you. Change your attitude. Change your perspective. As we close, I just want to look at this thought and this, this little image here that my wife shared with me this week. I think it's so powerful. It says this. The optimist says the cup is half full. The pessimist says the cup is half empty. The child of God says my cup run it over. As we talk about complaints, I don't want to challenge you to be an optimist. I don't want to challenge you not to be a pessimist. I want to challenge you to walk in your true identity. I want to challenge you to walk in the fact that you are a child of God and your cup will run over. Your cup will run over. Understand this. When you know that your cup's running over, you're not going to grumble. You're not going to complain. And you're going to overcome your big fat mouth. So let our eyes be focused on his goodness and let us walk in our true identity. If you would, pull out your connection card in the seat back in front. Maybe here today, maybe for you, maybe you never knew your true identity. Maybe you never knew that you are, are truly a child of God. Maybe you've never made that commitment to follow. As if you're here today and that's you, maybe you Maybe you've never made that commitment to follow him. Or maybe you did, but you walked away. I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to walk out of here saying that I'm a child of God. My cup runs over. And what you can do simply is on that, on that card, the first box says, I want to commit my life to Jesus. Checkmark that box. It says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. But that's you. Checkmark that box and then believe that God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. And receive his forgiveness. For you. The second box is there maybe says that God is asking me to. Maybe for you, maybe you're a complainer. Maybe it's a trap that you fall into. Maybe for you, maybe today, you need to, to change some situations in your life. You need to change some circumstances. So I challenge you to write that circumstance down. Write what you need to change and then begin to live it out. And make it more than just words on the cross. Maybe for you, you need to change your attitude. You need to change your perspective. I challenge you to write that down and then begin to live it out. There's also a place for a prayer requests as well where we'd love to partner with you in prayer. Again, we take these cards seriously. It's our way to track with you. It's our way to journey with you. It's our way to connect with you. And it's our way to pray through things with you as well. So if you would take this moment to fill that card out and uh, also get any ties or offerings ready. And Seth will be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.